Today on A Daily Walk, we turn our attention to the spiritual discipline of fasting. Rather than, you know, fast and pray, we often eat fast and then pray, typically in the church. Perhaps the Lord might ask us to alter that. Maybe you're in a situation where this would be an important practice as a believer. Here are the guidelines for practicing fasting. Food is treasured in this nation of ours. Not only do we insist on our food prepared just right, but we look at the presentation and we want it fast and easy. To ask us to give it up, well, that would be quite a sacrifice, wouldn't it? Here on A Daily Walk, we give attention to the practice of fasting, denying our physical appetite to concentrate on our spiritual appetite. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, Pastor John Randall has been dealing with three basic disciplines of the believer. And today he talks about fasting. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open with me this morning to the gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter, as we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount. And while you're turning there, I would like to testify this morning to the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. If you look with me at verse 16, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. For the third time in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used the word when. Not if, but when. When you give, when you pray, and now when you fast. The practices mentioned were an important part of the disciples' relationship and walk with the Lord. But equally important were the motives behind those practices and the means whereby they were carried out. The religious leaders of the day had consistently modeled a poor example with ulterior motives. Although they seemed outwardly sincere in their devotion, their true intention and motivation was to be seen by men. And the only reward that they would be given for their theatrical religiousness was the momentary recognition of their audience. Jesus, therefore, presented his disciples with a different example to emulate. He gave them the proper motivation and manner in which they were to give, to pray, to serve, and to fast. An attitude that would ensure the approval of heaven over the praises of men and providing them with an eternal reward, which was far greater than temporary admiration. In the simplest definition, fasting is giving up food for a period of time in order to focus your thoughts and your attention upon God. While fasting, many people read the Bible, pray, and worship. 
Fasting is found throughout both the Old and New Testament. Over 50 times it is mentioned. Now under the Old Testament Mosaic law, fasting was commanded only one day a year, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. During the years of exile, regular fasts of remembrance were instituted. Now, in addition to these national fasts, both Old Testament and New Testament describe personal or even group fasts with a variety of purposes of humbling oneself. Sometimes it was the confession of sin, either personal or national. Other times it was during distress. When a nation was under attack, they humbled themselves and cried out to God. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find that after David had sinned with Bathsheba and she gave birth to a child, that the child became sick. And David pleaded with the Lord for the recovery of that child. And while he prayed, the Bible said that he fasted in his pleading with the Lord. In Psalm 35 verse 13, it says, I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when the Moabites and the Ammonites joined forces to destroy Judah in the south, King Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord in prayer, called for a national fast to seek the help of the Lord in time of distress. In the book of Esther, in chapter 4, when Queen Esther was made aware of the plot of wicked Haman to destroy all the Jewish people, she called for her people to fast as she prepared to go and stand before the king and plead for his mercy. Daniel was seeking direction for the future of the nation of Israel, and there he fasted and he prayed, and he received an answer. Ezra, when the captives dwelling in Babylon were released from their 70 years of captivity to return back to Jerusalem and rebuild their lives, they declared a fast in order to seek the favor of the Lord upon them. Jonah, when the prophet Jonah eventually came to Nineveh, he declared that in 40 days the city would be overthrown and destroyed. And the Bible says that the Ninevites responded to the impending judgment of God with humility in the form of sackcloth, ashes, and fasting. Now, when you come to the New Testament, before Jesus entered into his public ministry, the Bible says that he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days wherein he was tempted by Satan and he emerged victorious and he was empowered by the Spirit for his mission to seek and save the lost. In the book of Acts, in the early church, Paul and Barnabas and other leaders within the church there in Antioch gathered to seek the Lord for direction. And during their time of ministering to the Lord, it says they did so with prayer and fasting and that the Lord revealed his will to separate both Paul and Barnabas for the work that God had called them to do. Folks, there are moments when fasting is beneficial. To set aside a meal or meals 
or perhaps other things that could easily be a distraction in order to seek the Lord, to take some time to detach ourselves from the body appetites that so easily control and dominate our thinking and instead feed the spiritual part of our lives. And in those moments, there is a heightened sense of sensitivity to the things of the Spirit as we invest in the attributes of self-control. Andrew Murray said it this way. He said, quote, Prayer is one hand with which we grasp the invisible and fasting the other with which we let loose and cast away the visible. I'm sure that you're aware of the fact that your bodily appetites have oftentimes control over you. When you wake up in the morning, for most of us, the first thought is something to do with what we need physically. I need coffee. <laughs> and you, you immediately, it's just a natural response. I got to get this going. I gotta, and then after that, I need to eat something. And even right now, you're wondering, when is this man going to finish so that we can go and eat something? I don't know where yet, but we're going to decide. <laughs> Honey, do you want to decide? No, you decide. Okay, I'll decide. We're not going there. All right, where do you want to go? These are things that we constantly work through. The problem that Jesus was addressing was not how often should you fast or even how long you should fast. But rather, he provides instructions on the purpose and the motive behind the fast. And he begins by telling his disciples what not to do. And verse 16, moreover, when you fast, not if, but when, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. The word hypocrite that Jesus often used associated with the religious leaders was a word that simply means a play actor, a man of many faces. You pretend to be something that you aren't. It's hypocrisy. Historically, it was known that the Pharisees fasted twice a week. Mondays and Thursdays. And these weekly religious practices provided them with opportunities to parade their piety before the public. Outwardly, they would have a very sad countenance. The Pharisees would put on the gloomy face in order to broadcast to all those who they encountered they were actively fasting. For example... If you saw them on the street with their dejected visage, <laughs> you would ask them, what's, what's wrong with you? What happened? Why do you look so sad? And they would no doubt reply with a very weak and feeble look on their face. <laughs> if you must know, I'm fasting before the Lord. Ah, for his glory. You know, just they put on the show and, and the people would think, wow. Whew. 
amazing. Is it Monday or Thursday? I don't know. I think it's Thursday. Twice. My goodness. Praise you. I mean, this is what they loved. They loved it. In addition to walking around with the long face, it says they would disfigure their face. Interesting, the word that is used here literally means to make disappear or to make unrecognizable. They wouldn't take care of themselves. Hygienically speaking, they would let themselves go. They wouldn't anoint their heads with oil, perhaps not brush their teeth. The the, the neglect of personal hygiene and seeing their pale and gaunt face, their unkept robe, whatever, disheveled hair, you, you would think, what's wrong? What happened? Oh, that's right. It's Monday. (laughs) you're fasting. I'm sorry. I don't even know why I question. I should have known. You are amazingly godly. And they would say, thank you. They loved it. But all the sad, disfigured outward appearance was for one purpose. It was not to get the attention of heaven, but to grab hold of the attention of people. And Jesus said to his disciples, don't be like that. Don't do spiritual things to be seen or applauded My people, because if you do, that is the only reward that you will get. The the religious leaders, their motives were dishonest. Now, this, of course, was not the only time in Israel's history where fasting was improperly motivated. If you were to go back to the Old Testament, for example, in Isaiah chapter 58, the people were saying, we have fasted, they say, and you have not seen We have afflicted our souls and you take no notice. The Lord responded through his prophet and said, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. You exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Verse five, the Lord declared, is it a fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. There was a misunderstanding at that moment of the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is not a way to lose weight. I promise you, if you try to combine the two, every time you get on the scale, it will go up. I just have a sense that it's just improper motivation. I'm not saying you can't do fasting for that purpose, but you need to be clear on why it is that you're doing it. The purpose of fasting isn't to gain the upper hand on God and somehow twist his arm to do what you want. Lord, I have fasted, so I'm expecting that, you know, I didn't just pray and I just just didn't read my Bible. Let's be clear on this. I also fasted and so I am certain that now a blessing is coming because of all that I have done. That is not the purpose of it. It's to humble ourselves. It's to draw near to God. It's to detach ourselves from the things that so easily take hold of our minds. You know, we'll see in a few chapters in chapter 9 of Matthew that there was a moment when it says the disciples of John came to Jesus and they said, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but 
your disciples, they do not fast. Of course, Jesus responded to that question, implying that there would be a time when his disciples would fast. It wasn't right then, but the time was coming when the bridegroom would be taken and then it would be time to fast. And when they did, Jesus gave them these instructions in verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you don't appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. Whether you're giving, you're praying, or you're fasting, it's to be done in a manner that does not draw attention to us personally, but practice more covertly between us and the Lord. In that process, take care of yourself physically. Wash your face. Put on deodorant. Comb your hair. Don't give the slightest hint to anyone that you are fasting because the Lord sees in secret and he will reward you openly. Someone said, quote, the purpose of fasting is not to advertise ourselves, but to discipline ourselves, not to gain a reputation for ourselves, but to express our humility before God and our concern for others in need. If these purposes are fulfilled, it will be reward enough. There have been moments when people have come to me and shared with me that they were fasting. I'm fasting. Listen, don't tell me, and I won't tell you. I don't want people to know. I remember a man that I was with many years ago now. He had decided to do a fast for 40 days, just on, I think, liquids and juices, and uh, which are liquids. And so anyways, he, uh, <laughs> for the record, <laughs> so he's fasting and he's telling us all at this amazing dinner we're having. He's back there with the blender. I'm like, whatever, man. Like, it's just, just there's, there's your reward, you know? Like, man, should we eat this? Yeah, I think we should. I mean, he's, over, he's got his reward. Don't tell people. Just keep it between you and Jesus. But there is a benefit to fasting. Fasting helps us to concentrate attention on issues that require prayer. Fasting enables us to rearrange our priorities in order to focus on things that that really matter. It can encourage us to examine our lives, to inspect our motives. Maybe you have someone in your life who is ensnared by the deception of the enemy. And maybe it's a time to just fast and pray on behalf of them. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's, I, it's between you and the Lord. You don't have to, uh, the Lord puts it at your discretion to be led by the Holy Spirit. It can also strengthen intimacy with God. It can teach us to pray with the right motive. It, it assists us when we're seeking God's will for our lives. Maybe you got some major decision as a family. Should we leave the state? Should we stay? I think you should stay. But if you're, if you're still praying about it, listen, ask the Lord, fast and pray. Lord, confirm it to me through your word. Confirm it to me through the circumstances. Open the doors or close them. Lord, I just want to hear from you. Moments like that. This practice is greatly beneficial. I have found that it also can equip us to recover from grief and sorrow. Taking time just to seek the Lord. And I also have found, even from scripture, that it says here, 
that fasting can build your faith. Do you remember when Jesus and his disciples, the three disciples, the inner three, went up onto the Mount of Transfiguration? And while they were there, Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah show up. They got a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. And when they were coming back down the mountain, the Bible tells us the rest of the disciples had stayed back. And when they arrived, Jesus was confronted by a father whose son was demon-possessed. And the disciples, try as they might, were unable to deliver this young man from this demonic spirit that had a hold on his life. However, Jesus was able to deliver him. And after Jesus had delivered this young man from this demonic spirit, his disciples asked him the question, why weren't we able to do that? Why, why couldn't we do that? And this was Jesus's response, which I find interesting. In Matthew 17, 21, Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, the question is, when was Jesus fasting? I mean, apparently before, before it had happened, there was some practice in his own life that even prepared him for that moment when he was confronted with absolute evil and he was able to deliver that boy from the demonic influence that he was under. Fasting. Ask the Lord. Maybe it's something you've never done. I think in many ways, it perhaps may be a lost art of the church something that we don't do as often or even think about. Rather than, you know, fast and pray, we often eat fast and then pray, typically in the church. Perhaps the Lord might ask us to alter that. Maybe you're in a situation where this would be an important practice as a believer. Here are the guidelines for practicing fasting. You're listening to A Daily Walk with our teacher and pastor, John Randall. Hear the study again anytime you'd like at adailywalk.org and sign up for our free podcast so you can start receiving biblical encouragement on a regular basis. If you'd rather have a CD copy sent your way, that's available for a cost of $5. You can order by phone at 877-242-0828. Have you downloaded our free app? This is a great way to listen to weekly teachings from John. Search for Calvary South OC. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners. Even just a brief email letting us know you're listening and where means a lot. It's an opportunity to say thanks to God for what he's doing. Share a praise report or a prayer request today. You can email that to us at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. We've got a timely resource to share with you today. It's Barry Stagner's book, The Time of the Signs. This will give you a chronology of Earth's final events. As you study the signs Jesus foretold, you'll gather evidence that proves we are living in the very time of these signs. You'll also gain a clear understanding of what will happen and when. That's The Time of the Signs, just $12 at adailywalk.org. You can also call 877 877- 2420828 A daily walk is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. With your help, we're able to deliver God's good news all over the nation and world. Would you consider helping us in this venture to get the word out? People are being blessed and helped in their daily walk. Again, to make a secure donation, drop by a dailywalk.org or call us 877-2420828. Let's turn back to Matthew 6 now. 
Jesus wanted his disciples, wanted us to remember that there are things that are temporal and there are things that are eternal. In ancient times, wealth was seen in the garments that people wore. Jesus said, hey, listen, moths are going to eat it. Or the possessions that you had, good chance a thief might steal it. At the same time, there's something that is eternal and that cannot be touched. That is why Jesus said in verse 20, in contrast, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It has been rightly said, we cannot take things with us, but we can send it ahead. You can't take it with you. Solomon was very concerned about this. And you can read about it in Ecclesiastes. He was so frustrated over the fact that he had amassed all of this wealth and he had to leave it to his foolish kid. What's he going to do with it? He was so bummed about the whole thing. You can read it. It's in there. In fact, he would, he would even write concerning these things, uh, concerning riches and say, listen, don't, don't set your heart on them. Don't set your mind on them. He said, riches in Proverbs 23, verse 4, don't overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches will certainly make themselves wings and they will fly away like an eagle toward heaven, Solomon said. <laughs> Let's ask ourselves the question, how am I investing? Where is my treasure? Where is my heart today? A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C., 